Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight uh, by my co-host. It's not Matt DeBear. We're not doing a recruiting podcast. It's Matt Filippovitz. Matt, what's going on? Nothing much, Bill. I am enjoying a lovely day in Chicago. Uh, if I could, I would absolutely sleep on my balcony. I am so proud of it. Well, hold on a second. Why can't you sleep on your balcony? Because it's buggy and it gets cold at night. It's not Florida anymore. It's not like it's still 95 degrees at 3 in the morning. Well, I, I mean, there are like... Can there are candles that will solve both of those issues for you? So in the that event, is true. Like in, in the event you ever want like people who live around you to think that I don't know you're trying to like summon a spirit on your balcony. That seems <laughs> like a, that, that that seems like a really good way to go about doing it. But uh, I'll take that into account. Yes, Matt. Uh, now in lovely Chicago, Illinois, home of the Big Ten, the conference in which our beloved Penn State Nittany Lions play, and we decided that uh, obviously the football season. We like to think that it's going uh, to happen in some form or fashion, but obviously everything is up in the air right now, uh, as has been the case in all of these. We hope everyone out there is staying safe, uh, you know, washing your hands, wearing a mask, practicing social distancing, all those sorts of things. In large part because we hope that we're eventually able to get to the point where we are able to see college football this year because there are just big, big, big drops in the number of uh, COVID-19 across the United States. What we are deciding to do is that we are going to do one podcast a week to try and get everyone ready for what we hope is the college football season. Starting this week with Penn State's quarterback, we're going to do running backs the week after that, wide receivers, blah, 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 all the way down the line. And I'm going to do a three-hour podcast about Jordan Stout by myself because no one's going to do it with me. Honestly, I want, like, I want to see you try to pull this off because I really want to see... I'm sure you could start strong and finish strong, but in those like doldrums of like the hour 45 mark, I want to see the things that you would be uh, you'd be getting into at that point, Matt. I'd be thinking of uh, of ways to let him score a touchdown, thinking of different kind of trick plays. That's where we get in there. Ooh, there was there was one. Uh, it was when James Franklin was at Vanderbilt. I, I go back and I watch this all the time. It was I, it might have been a touchdown uh, against yeah. Georgia. The handoff yes. with yes. Terry Spear. Yeah, That's I know. Right. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, they. It, it was the most half-assed trick play that I've ever seen because they literally just lined up and did a snap for the kick, and then the holder just put the ball in the kicker's gut, and he just strolled right in. It was awesome, but yeah, we would uh, we will save those uh conversations for when Matt does his three-hour-long uh Jordan's. But I, I feel like we also need to show some love to Jake Penninger because he is a he he is a good place kicker. We'll keep again all those for when Matt decides to do a podcast and. Today, we're going to talk about quarterbacks, Penn State's quarterback room. One of the uh, this is something of a theme for most of the positions on Penn State's offense. Really, not a lot of questions for what we can expect out of the Nittany Lions there. We'll get to Sean Clifford in a second. We asked for your questions, we got a bunch of questions. A lot of them uh, had to do with Clifford and then a few other things involving the quarterback room. But I think we'll start. With Clifford's backups, uh, we'll break this down into uh, third and fourth string guys. Then we'll get into Will Levis. Third and fourth string means Micah Bowens, a true freshman coming into the program out of Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. Set to arrive this Saturday, I think. Set to arrive this Saturday. And already on campus, or has been on campus, is a Taquan Roberson uh, from DePaul Catholic in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, 973 stand up. Roberson kind of, car- well, he didn't kind of, he earned a spot as the guy by 
uh, being the true freshman who got a few snaps last year, uh, got to the point that the other quarterback in his class, Michael Johnson Jr., entered the transfer portal this past week. Matt, it's really hard for me to expect anything uh, out of these two, uh, you know, Bowens and Roberson, I hope they do really good work on the practice field and they can build towards one day being Penn State's quarterback. And hopefully uh, Roberson is able to get some snaps here and there. I believe he threw one pass last year. Uh, I, I will look into that while you're speaking. But in college football, third and fourth string quarterbacks, it's never about this season. Might not even be about next season. It's about two seasons, three seasons, four seasons down the road. That has to be the approach with these two, correct? Oh, for sure. Uh, like I said in the um, in the offensive recruiting or, uh, signing day podcast, uh, Bowens isn't going to see the field this year just because they have a three deep now. Penn State didn't have a three deep last year. Or, uh, technically, they did, but they wanted to preserve Roberson's and formerly Johnson Jr.'s redshirt. So now they have three dudes who can appear in every single game and not lose a year of eligibility which is a huge luxury to have quarterbacks, you know, they get hurt. It's just going to happen eventually to Penn state. I was looking in, into this a little bit earlier and it may be better suited for Levis, but I'll say it now. Penn, this is the first, uh, 2020 is going to be the first season we head into with Penn state having multiple quarterbacks on the roster with starting experience. I think it's the first time it's happened since 2011. So like almost 10 years and, and, and very few programs get that lucky. So Roberson gives them a nice, a nice option as an emergency quarterback. If things go really wrong, um, things to expect from him, not really all that much, uh, unless injuries mount up, uh, it'd be great to see him get some run later in games, but he's probably the guy they're going to go to when they're up. I don't know, 63 to nothing on Kent state. If week one happens, um, as opposed to like a walk on or Bowen. So not really all that much to expect. Uh, hope they develop really well in the practice squad, uh, all new coaches along the offensive staff. So a lot of new things to learn. I think it's a lot easier for older guys to pick up things as opposed to younger guys. Cause I think. As you get older, you get more mature, you know how to prepare a little bit better. So not really expecting much. Just uh, just hope to be able to read into some stories about the progress they're making on the practice squad. Yeah, and I, I went back and looked, and Roberson got a little bit of run on Penn State's final drive uh, against Rutgers last year in the Nittany Lions 27-6 win over the Scarlet Knights. Uh, he had a third and goal run for a loss of one yard, and then he attempted a pass to Dan Chisena that fell incomplete. So not a ton of run, but he, I, he That's has a, NFL receiver, Dan That Chisena, is NFL yeah. receiver Dan Chisena. That, he's with the Vikings, correct? Yes, he is. All right, Skull, let's do it. Uh, actually, he Roberson, in a way, is a pretty interesting guy because if you look at how we think Penn State's going to progress— I think you and I would very much take Sean Clifford being in a, in a position where he can go pro after this season because that means Penn State was really good. But the, I would say the overwhelming likelihood is that he has a very solid season this year and he comes back next year. That's his redshirt senior year. He plays there, moves on. By the time that happens, Will Levis, at the end of next season, will be wrapping up his redshirt junior year. Roberson will be wrapping up his redshirt sophomore year, and then the guy that we think could end up being the guy for Penn State if it all works, or at least I think could be the guy for Penn State if it all works out, Christian Veyu will be wrapping up his true freshman year. That then moves into Will Levis. Is he still around, and is he starting at quarterback in what would be Roberson's fourth year on campus, if my math is correct? And if he is, what then happens the year after that when you have 
a redshirt sophomore like Veyu when you have a guy like Bones behind. Roberson's an interesting guy in that regard, and I think it'll be interesting to watch if he can take advantage of opportunities as they pop up. But they, we, I, I think you and I agree they will be very, very, very few and far between, in large part because, like you mentioned, Penn State has something of a luxury in that they have a guy who knows what it's like to start a college football game as their backup in Will Levis. We also saw what he can do against Ohio State when he really gets cooking. And uh, obviously that was a very, very weird football game. And, uh, you know, his passing number is 6 for 11, 57 yards, one interception. I don't think... Uh, I think that could be a little bit generous. He didn't always look like he was in the most comfortable position throwing the football, but he still knows what it's like to go into the shoe and have to win a football game there. Yeah, it's hard to judge him off what happened at Ohio State. It was pouring rain. It was, what was that, week 11? Something like that. It was Chase Young's first game back after a suspension. He got put in 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 a bit of a freak incident, and by then Ohio State's defense was just locked in, and and. Listen, if you want to be a skeptic about this, he also got a bit fortunate because Penn State's defense just ended up putting him in good position after good position once he got onto the field. So, like you mentioned, it's tough to take too much from there. But I think the first question uh, to answer with Will Levis is, what is the best way for Penn State to use him? Because I think there are two schools of thought. There are basically have him be Tommy Stevens 2.0 and do the things that uh, NFL quarterback Tommy Stevens. NFL, that, that is correct. The next Taysom Hill, uh, depending on uh, the person you were reading and how much they think Taysom Hill is any good, even though he's 45 years old or whatever. Will, <laughs> will So are they going to use him as the kind of Tommy Stevens, jack of all trades, uh, I, I called, you know, called the line previously, I don't know what... Uh, Kirk Shirock might want to do it. Or is he just straight backup quarterback? The guy who, if Sean Clifford gets hurt, he goes in. If Penn State's up by a lot of points, he goes in. Where do you think he kind of falls on that continuum, Matt? It's interesting because there's there's a lot of lines of thought here. The, the Lion was most, I think, effective in the red zone. And that was back when Pat Firemuth was not an absolutely dominant playmaker. It was when he was becoming one. But now you have a dude who legitimately, I think you could throw him the ball anywhere inside the 15-yard line and he'll find a way to get in the end zone. So I'm not sold on Levis being the kind of athlete that Tommy Stevens was. I, I think he's definitely earned more playing time than like a traditional backup. But I really don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's maybe giving him, let's say Penn State is it's halftime and they want to score and they have the ball, like they're 40. Levis has a cannon for an arm. Do you put him in, just let him chuck it deep? Is that what you trust him with? Kind of like how they do with kickers. Um, I, I honestly don't know what the best role for him is. I think it might be some combination of both. I don't think you can, you know, line him out wide. I don't think you can have him take snaps at running back. So Kirk has a really interesting I don't know, ball of clay, I guess, kind of to work with here. And I, I'm not sure what it is, but I know it can't be nothing. So my entire thing, uh, longtime listeners of the pod will know this, is that I don't like uh, a lion position. I don't like anything that involves 
taking off a nominal wide receiver, a nominal tight end, a nominal running back, and putting a quarterback in one of those positions. Just because I think that the best, the, the way you win it in football is you have guys who win one-on-one battles. And God bless Will Levis, but he is not more well-equipped to win a one-on-one battle as a wide receiver than anyone who knows how to play wide receiver. So I do think that he is, he he should be a pure backup. Um, he'll be the most popular guy on campus uh, that way, because as we all know, the most popular guy on campus is always the backup quarterback. I think, or your, he, or your kicker, or your kick. Well, in our weird corner of the universe, we um, we adore specialists in a uh, Happy Valley, Pennsylvania. So kickers, punters, return men. Uh, punt returners as long as they are an Italian safety who isn't particularly fast or quick but is reliable when he catches the ball, those sorts of things. I think the thing with Levis is that if you believe that Penn State's offense is going to be good enough that it's going to be able to run up the score, obviously, big if here, uh, because we don't know what... we have no idea what football is going to look like, but if they can run up the score on Kent State, on San Jose State, on Northwestern, uh, on Maryland, on Rutgers, those are the kinds of games where you get him some run. And then there's the other thing kind of looming over this, which I think kind of pushes back against what I just said, and that is that how smart is it to take Sean Clifford off the field when he is still learning a new offense, when he's figuring out what his new offensive coordinator wants, what reads he's going to have to make, getting into a rhythm with a basically new wide receiving core, all these sorts of things, I think, kind of have to factor into it. I think that Penn State's smartest move is to give Sean Clifford as much run as humanly possible. And unfortunately, I think that Will Levis might be impacted a bit by that. Even if I can certainly see the merits of saying, okay, we need the backup to have a little bit of comfort in the system as well. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I'd agree. I'm going to make a, a going back to your Tommy point. I'm going to make a prediction right now because it's June 17th and we don't even know if there's going to be football yet. I think Levis is going to score um, in all three ways. He's going to throw a touchdown pass. He's going to run for one. And I think he's going to catch one. I don't know what that means. And I know that goes against literally everything you just said about taking Clifford <laughs> off the field. But I don't know why. I, I feel like there's going to be some kind of trickeration where that's going to come into play. And you're right. Clifford does need to find a way to build up the confidence with these receivers. It's, it's a whole new group. He he relied on KJ so much last year. I I hope they spend a lot of this time, you know, safely working together kind of outside of the, of the team sanctioned workouts. But I think Levis needs a little bit of run. I think maybe if Penn State's up, you know, kind of three touchdowns instead of four, I, I think maybe you feel comfortable giving Levis the keys to the car at that point. But you know, like you said, we don't really know what kind of year Clifford can have. We just saw the kind of year Tanner Morgan had. I think if Clifford has a Tanner Morgan-esque year, I think he's gone. I think I think he should be gone. I think that's that's enough to show that you can compete at the next level. So I think there's a really fine line to walk. And I, I think Kirk has to figure out, and James Franklin, what the best way is to make sure Clifford so that you know, if, if the game's on the line, you know, down two, Clifford has enough chemistry built up, enough confidence built up, but also to prepare for, you know, a future that it is eventually going to potentially be in Will Levis's hands. 
So what do you think is a realistic expectation for Will Levis? Uh, numerically, last year, he did 59.6% of his passes through 47 balls on the year, two touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, ran the ball 51 times, 213 yards, three touchdowns. I think it's really hard to put any sort of numbers on it, but I think if he just looks... Uh, if he looks like he's ready to be able to step in in the moments where he does play, like I think that's really all you can ask about him. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think he'll run it more. I think what was it, fifty-one rushing attempts last year? Fifty-one rushing attempts. Hey, more the, than, hey, give on, me put. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say on the team, uh, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Sean Clifford all had uh, comfortably more. Devin Ford had one more, and Ricky Slade had four fewer. Okay, um, put me in like the like the 80 range for carries. I think he's going to run it. I think he'll have more rushing attempts than he will throwing attempts. All right, yeah, I think that's a I think that's fair. And then the last question for hit that I have down for him: Does he have a path to be Penn State's starting quarterback going forward, or? And I'm only saying this because I think it's something you have to be able to address when it comes to quarterbacks. I'm not saying he's going to do this. I don't know if he's going to do this. I don't know if it's in his best interest to do this. Is the smart thing for him going to be, you know, as we talked about with Taquan Roberson a second ago, every single opportunity he is going to have to take advantage of because of how tough it is to be a quarterback. Will his best football be played at Penn State? Because if Sean Clifford ends up coming back, not this next season, the one after that, Will Levis is going to have one season to show what he can do as a college quarterback. This is this is really hard for me because I think Levis could be good. But we've seen a lot, especially lately, that if you want to win, you have to go with the great guy. I mean, Georgia had Justin Fields and said, no, we think Jake Fromm is better because they had that loyalty. And there's a lot of value in loyalty. But it doesn't exactly win you games. And if you, is it Christian Veyu or is it Velu? Uh, I think it's Veyu, but I'm, okay. uh, uh, we're, we, we will, uh, we, we will we'll check with someone who is of Canadian descent. If Christian Veyu is what we think it is, James Franklin has to learn the lessons that Nick Saban figured out, that Davo Sweeney figured out, that Urban Meyer failed to figure out, frankly, by not... By, by starting JT Barrett towards the end of his career. I hope Will Levis gets an opportunity at Penn State to at least, you know, have a fair shot. And if he beats out Veyu or Roberson or Bowens in, in, in a fair shake, great, he's the best guy. But if Veyu is what, he, what we think he is, I think Will Levis has to realize his best chance to, to play a lot of football and maybe make it to the next level is probably not going to be in Happy Valley. Yeah, and the good news for him is that you know, for everything that I said, he does seem like a guy who uh, has plenty of talent. Whenever he is able to get onto the field consistently, I think he's going to be able to do some really impressive stuff just because he's, he's a physical marvel with a strong arm. And who knows? Hopefully uh, that is in Happy Valley. And hopefully, uh, like we mentioned, Sean Clifford is a good enough year this year where uh, Levis is able to uh, step into the starting role next year. That leads to the man. That leads to the man of the hour. Uh, not just in Penn State's quarterback room, but in Penn State's uh, program, because you, your starting quarterback is the guy who can get you to the promised land. 
The reins for that are in Sean Clifford's hands. Uh, second year as a starter last season, 189 for 319. That is a 59.2% completion percentage, 2,654 That yards seems low. It does seem a bit low, but I think it... You, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this uh, in a moment. 23 touchdowns, 7 interceptions uh, for Sean Clifford. The thing with Clifford is that we got asked, you know, I put out the, uh, went to the Twitter account, make sure you're following us over there so you can, uh, you can potentially ask questions for future ones of these. The Twitter account is where we got a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of them had to do with Sean Clifford. And I think the best thing to do is just go down the list of what we got and kind of use those as our talking points first from at underscore Jenna joy. Is it really an open competition for starting QB this year? No, no. Um, I haven't heard that. And I would posit that any suggestions to that by James Franklin, you know, are just iron sharpens iron. We want competitors to be competitors. That's sort right. Of like I, 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 I would be st- absolutely stunned if Penn State's first game is played with anyone other than Sean Cliff uh, other unless he gets hurt which you know knock on every substance around me doesn't happen if Sean Clifford is healthy he's starting for quarterback yeah 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 open the open competition quotes we always get and always are just like okay it's not but I I know what you have to say it's not an open competition Clifford's going to be the starter um he has so much experience and there's really no way anybody pushes him for the job. Right. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? Listen, if Will Levis steps in and just lights the world on fire and ends up taking the starting job, God bless Will Levis. Like he would have to have one hell of a camp in order to be able to accomplish that. But uh, this is Sean Clifford's team. This is Sean Clifford's offense. And Sean Clifford's going to be the first guy who gets the chance to learn from Kirk Sherrock, to, to learn Kirk Sherrock's offense, lead Penn State's offense out onto the field and hopefully lead them to the promised land. That leads into the next question from at Jay Catrabone. What are the top three things Sean learned by the end of the year that he is focusing on for 2020? Uh, we don't know this. Uh, we haven't uh, spoken to Sean Clifford, haven't reported this out, anything like that. So I kind of tweaked that question to what are three things we want to see out of Sean Clifford that he imp- improved on the most from last year? Matt, I will let you go first because my guess is that you and I are going to have one or at least one or two that are exactly the same. Yeah, um, one thing that I think he got better at, wasn't exactly great, was looking at other dudes aside from KJ. And hey, KJ's gone now, so that's that's not going to be an issue anymore. Um, another thing that I think he he was did a really good job at taking care of the ball early. And then as the season went on, it looked like he got a bit of the yips in big games. And he's already shown he knows how to take care of the football. So I, I really want to see him be better at making sure he's making the right read and not necessarily forcing it to KJ Hamler. I think the last one is I think he needs to figure out how to protect himself. He got a little bit banged up and, and, and you know, that's just going to happen in football. But Clifford's a guy who, when you watch him run, he, he you know, he, he will slide, but he's also not afraid to go through some dudes and that's all great. And that's mm-hmm. all fun. And, and I, and I love fighting for the extra yard, but assuming we have Noah Kane back and healthy again, 
you have a dude who can fight for those extra yards. So I want to see him get out of bounds a bit more, slide a little bit more, you know, call it soft football, whatever you want to call it. But that's smart football. If you're going to be a quarterback, you cannot be taking hits, you know, to pick up an extra three inches when you have a bowling ball, you can just hand it off to and he'll probably do the same thing. Yeah, I there's a fearlessness that I think Clifford has that suits him well at times but when it comes to uh, looking for contact, it can hurt him a bit. I do just the one thing that I want to point out when it comes to protecting the football of obviously more goes into it this, but of his seven interceptions, three of them came in that Minnesota game. And I know the second interception was very obviously a defensive pass interference that didn't get called. Maybe his third one was, but I don't remember off the top of my head because uh, I was hopped up on pills post gallbladder surgery at that point. So who knows? But I, I, I actually I agree with all your points, but I, I was wrong. I actually have three separate things here. Oh, heck yeah. My number have? one thing with Sean Clifford, it kind of goes to your third point. He has to slow down. Whenever you watch, that's a good one. Like it's something that I went back and I watched a little bit of his high school tape, and this was also something that kind of stuck out. He plays very—I don't want to say erratically because you know he's not uh, making absolutely terrible decisions all the time, but he just plays so fast. He's constantly jumping around, looking around. He looks like he drank five Red Bulls before he got onto the field. And I think one thing that Kirk Shirak is going to have to do is basically tell him there's going to be chaos around you. Just stay cool, stay calm, stay collected. It's something that I think will help with a lot of his other issues. And I think it's also something that will come now that he has a year of starting uh, in college football under his belt. A year that included having to go to Kinnick at night, having to go to Columbus, having to come from behind in a bowl game, uh, you know, having to lead a comeback that came up a little bit short. All these experiences from last year, I think, are going to work for Clifford. And just getting him to slow down and kind of embrace the chaos that happens and not be so, uh, not seem so skittish. Number two... I Real quick, to... I would, I would, it's not healthy, but I would pay a lot of money to watch Micah Parsons play a football game after drinking five Red Bulls. Oh, God, why? Why would you do that? He would, no, he would have like 30 tackles. No, I know. Why would, you, why would you do that to the other team? No, oh, that's true. That is true. <laughs> Number two is I want to see a little bit more consistency out of Clifford. I'm just going to go straight through and read his completion percentages on the season. 60.9% against Idaho, 72.7% nice. against Buffalo. Hell yeah. 46.7% against Pitt, 83.9% against Maryland. Prepare yourself, Matt. 69% against Purdue. Nice. 50% against Iowa, 56% against Michigan, 56.3 against Michigan State, 53.5% against Minnesota, 47.8% against Indiana, 58.8% against Ohio State, 55% against Memphis. That Maryland game was stupid. That Maryland game, he was just doing what, like, that was the platonic ideal of Sean Clifford. Just putting the ball wherever he wants. Guys are, you know, he got picked off. Like, of his five incompletions, one of them was an interception. I'm going to guess a few were throwaways. Had a QBR of 98.5 in that game. But the entire thing with Sean Clifford is that I think he can be a little bit too up and down. And I think in a lot, you, I, I think we can go back and look and we will notice this in particularly those that second half of the year from about Iowa to Memphis, he will have stretches where he'll just throw th 
three or four passes incomplete and then complete four of his next five and then throw three incompletions and complete six in the row. Like he just has this very up and down way of playing quarterback. And I think that again, now that he has a year under his belt, that'll iron itself out a bit. And then deep accuracy. Uh, We don't have the stats from uh, the bowl game, but through the Ohio state game via Nick's passing charts, Sean Clifford's numbers on deep balls, 13 for 49, or deep balls uh, are uh, 20 plus yards down the field. 13 for 49, which comes out to 26.5%, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, six drops. The deep balls are obviously wow. very dependent on who you have going out to get these deep balls. But he, when he was throwing the ball deep, more often than not, it didn't work out particularly well for Penn State. He was very good on underneath stuff. Uh, I don't have uh, the accuracy numbers here, but 89 for 122 on 0 to 9 yards, 37 for 65 on uh, 10 to 19 yards. And of those, uh, of those, again, through the Ohio State game, uh, Clifford had one interception. One of his six interceptions through the Ohio State game were on those. I think if he is able to unlock his deep ball a little bit better, which again, very dependent on his receivers, we're going to see a diff- a new kind of Sean Clifford, a different kind of Sean Clifford, and a Sean Clifford that can get Penn State to that next level. But obviously those are big, big things, big questions up in the air, and stuff that hopefully he's able to improve on. And that leads into our last questions. One is from Nick, uh, couldn't be on the podcast tonight, and at ASAP Mitt. Nick wants to know, what are reasonable expectations for Clifford's stat line this fall? The biggest difference between he and Mor- Tanner Morgan, uh, Minnesota's quarterback last year under Kirk Shiraka. Statistically, last year was Morgan's nearly two yards higher yards per attempt number. Can Clifford make a jump like that? ASAP Mitt, over under 3,200 passing yards for Sean Clifford. Um, I think Tanner Morgan, a system quarterback, and I didn't really know what system quarter, like I hate when people call people system quarterbacks, but I don't think Tanner Morgan is going to be anywhere near as good as he was this year, as opposed to last year. And I think Clifford's a huge beneficiary of that because I think he's a more talented quarterback than Tanner Morgan. And I think it's realistic to expect that he is. I don't think he's going to hit that past that 3,200 passing yard mark, I think he's going to just miss it. But I think he's going to be so efficient. I think he could complete maybe 67% of his passes, about two-thirds. I think you know an eight-point jump is, is not unrealistic to expect. So, Matt, what are the two things that we know about Penn State's offense? Like, uh, undisputed, the two things that are just locked in coming into this season. Um. Pat Fryermuth is the best tight end in college football and John Dunmore hive. <laughs> it is one Penn state's going to just grind teams to death, running the football with its offensive line and its stable of running backs. Oh and yeah. Two, there is one wide receiver who has graded out as okay during his collegiate career. And that's Jahan Dotson. And other than Dotson, Friar Muth obviously is a freak of nature. Dotson, 27 catches, 488 yards, five touchdowns last year. After him, 
Penn State's most productive returning wide receiver is Daniel George, who caught nine balls for 100 yards. After him, That's it? He only caught nine last year? After him, it's Cam Sullivan-Brown with eight catches for 56 yards. And then after... How many him, games did he play in last year? How many games did Cam play in last year? Isn't it like five or six? It's not that many. Uh, He played in three... Well, he recorded stats in three games. I don't know. Okay. Activity one. But that's to say... That right now. Penn State doesn't have much at wide receiver, doesn't have many known commodities at wide receiver. Pat Freiman is going to be relied on a lot. Jahan Dotson is going to be relied on a lot. Daniel George and Cam Sullivan-Brown, hopefully they can make jumps. John Dun- Dunmore, hopefully he is as good as we think he can be. And then Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington, hopefully they can be as good as we think they can be. But what we know is that Penn State's going to run the football a whole hell of a lot. So based on those two questions... What does the stat line look like over under 3,200 passing yards? I think he's in those ballparks, but I agree with you completely. I think he improves on his accuracy numbers. I think his touchdown interception of uh, 29-7, I think he probably is around there. Slightly Seven's up. not bad for a first-time starter. Seven picks is not bad. Also, Cam Sullivan Brown played in four games. Okay. But, yeah, seven picks, three of them came in one game. So... Uh, which I feel like we really need to hammer home. He had one game where he had troubles protecting the football when he was throwing it. So I think Clifford completely agree with you, Matt. He's going to have a very solid year, a very accurate year. I don't necessarily think he needs to turn into some Joe Burrow um, air raid maestro or anything like that as much as I would like that because of the stuff around him. But I I think as long as he does enough to win Penn State, Penn State season comes down to Ohio State. It comes down to... uh, let me pull this up. Comes down to Ohio State. Virginia, Virginia Tech is the scariest game on the schedule to me, but Maybe that's a conversation Virginia, we'll have in a couple months down we, the line. Yeah, we can have that eventually. And then, you know, at Michigan, it's always going to be like that's been a tricky place to play under James Franklin. Halloween at Indiana. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's right after start, Ohio State. God start preparing it. yourself now, folks. Oh, God. So. But it's basically, can he do enough in those games to win them for Penn State? And then in those other games, in uh, the Northwesterns, the Iowas, the Nebraskas, Michigan State, those games, can he put on, can those be the games where he puts up big numbers? I think he can possibly do that. But it's just being good enough to win in those uh, trickier environments and those tougher games. He does that. Penn State's going to be fine. They're going to be a really good football team. I don't think there's much else we can say about Sean Clifford. Any final things you would like to say about him, Matt? Real quick, I'm pulling up something. Sean Clifford doesn't even really need to be all of that efficient to to beat teams like Ohio State or Michigan because Penn State's going to be led by their running attack and their defense. You really have to take care of the football. Do you know what Trace McSorley's stat line was in the 2016 Ohio State game win? Wasn't it like 8 for 24 or something? It is eight for 23 Mm. for 154 yards and one touchdown Mm -hmm. that Chris Godwin really made himself. You do not need to have a dominant passing performance to beat those teams, especially with the way Penn State's roster is built. He needs to be smart, take care of the football and and give his playmakers an opportunity to go out there and make plays. Absolutely. And. Uh, I, I think that's all we can say about Clifford for now. We do have a few more remaining questions that I think uh, 
are, are going to be fun to answer here. One of the, well, two of them are on the same subject. Uh, Devin 2012 is the 1,000 square foot QB lab of the new Lash extension a training lab for the quarterbacks or a chemistry lab where new quarterbacks will be t- synthesized. Dumb underscore it underscore down. Rumors of a QB lab at the football facility upgrades. Is this because the brass field Penn State has recently been an elite QB short of championships and is first and foremost investing in improving QB recruiting? Um, yes. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's probably just mostly a matter of you do every single thing you can to have an advantage every place you can and having a place where quarterbacks can uh, quarterbacks specifically can work and train and do things that are specific to quarterbacks. That's something you want. Like, uh, It's very hard for me to think that this is any like this says anything other than in big time college football, you try to gain every single advantage you can in every single place that you can Matt Penn State's not going to land that elite five-star quarterback until they draft get a dude drafted in the first round which has not happened in my lifetime and any of these recruits is like lifetime so this is a way for you to stand apart and say look this is what we're doing to make sure we can make you that first Penn State quarterback drafted in the mm-hmm. first round that's what it comes – look at the college football playoff last year. Little uh, – excuse me – littered with um, quarterbacks who are in the pros or are going to be in the pros. You need a quarterback to win the college football playoff. They don't – Clifford could be that guy. Someone in the roster could be that guy for all we know. But if we want Penn State to go out there and land that five-star game-changing kid, you need to have, for back, lack of a better term, some of these gimmicks until you can you know, point to the proof. And uh, I, I think it's good to ju- explain what this is. Uh, this is a uh, an addition to Lash uh, that per uh, Penn State's physical plant website, the project is an addition to the Lash football building in filling a courtyard between the Lash building and Morgan Center. It includes deep foundations, structure enclosure, roofing, interior finishes, training equipment, and specialized audio, visual, and technology solutions to support quarterback training. Like Matt mentioned, everything that Penn State is doing is go, when it comes to quarterbacks, it's going into build, finding and developing the kind of guy who can get them to the playoff and get to the NFL. If this helps them do that, then it's a good way to spend money because the way the, the way that you win in college football, the way you keep winning in college football is getting quarterbacks. Every single little thing helps, and this is a little thing that they think is going to help. I want a, I want a visual tour of this, Matt. That, that's ultimately where I come down on everything. I'm picturing, do you watch Community? Or have you watched Community? It's been a while, but I did watch community all right are you familiar with the dreamatorium that uh that troy and abed have in their apartment that's all i'm picturing right now is just a very blank room with like a bunch of lines it looks like it's like a like a visual effects room that's all i'm picturing right now i just imagine it's did you ever play that like arcade any of those arcade games where it's basically just like a light pops up and you have to like tap it and there's just like a big wall in front of you with like 40 LED lights and you like get tickets based on how many you hit, how many of these little lights that you hit. And yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I imagine it's just that. And also like, I don't know, like fight songs play, so, not fight song, <laughs> uh, the song fight song, but various college football fight songs. So I like it. Yeah. Uh, moving on a few uh, remaining question. 
Uh, at Pasquigs, if Clifford stays similar slash only slightly better than last year, does he come in as the entrenched starter going forward, or does any QB recruit come in for an open competition? And I'm going to give the worst possible answer to this, Matt, and that is a very, very, very weak maybe. Yeah, um, I'm going to go no, just because Penn State does not have that five-star committed. They have Christian Veyu, um, but it's I don't think as a freshman, Veyu is like that Trevor Lawrence type or what Justin Fields should have been, where you feel comfortable giving him the keys over what at that point would be a, a guy heading into his third year as the starter. So right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Probably not. That That's ultimately the thing. He's in year number three. He would be in year number three. And if he stays similar, that means, you, you know, to kind of take the optimist take on all of this. That means he is completing nearly 60% of his passes. That means he's at about 2,700 yards passing or so. And that means he still has thrown 23 touchdowns, fewer than seven interceptions. And all of that is happening with an absolutely stellar running game next to him. And if he is slightly better, so let's say we kick those numbers up to you know, 61%, 2,800 uh, passing yards, uh, 25 passing touchdowns and five interceptions. That's really, really good quarterback play. And that is him going in the right direction in his first year in a new offense. So uh, it's very hard unless Will Levis just does stuff that we haven't seen out of a Penn State quarterback before to imagine a scenario in which he loses it. But hey, who knows? Like, I suppose anything is possible. Uh, Moving on from at Brian underscore Covelli underscore. Here's something nobody wants to hear. If Cliff gets hurt, we running the Levis Wildcat special. Will they let him throw or Roberson time? Um, I don't think it's necessarily the Wildcat, but I think they're going to change the offense to offense to where it's way more, you know, running based. It's already going to be really run heavy. But now with Levis, you have a dude who. I just said all that stuff about Clifford having to slide. Uh, Levis is built a little bit differently than Sean Clifford, and I'm convinced you could punch Levis in the face and he wouldn't feel it because he is so big and strong. So I, I think you can really shift your focus to really make it really run heavy, run a lot of fun option stuff, and then I think you're really going to be living and dying by you know short dink and dunk RPO style passes. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I, I can't imagine that they change up the offense or do anything like that, so. Uh, like I think that probably takes Levis Wildcat off the table. Uh, and I imagine that Roberson isn't going to pass Levis just because of the aforementioned experience stuff that we mentioned about Levis. So I think they put him in and they base, maybe with a few alterations because of the stuff that he could do as a runner that Clifford can't necessarily do as a runner. But I think they mostly just keep the offense the same. Like, if only because there are 10 other guys uh, around Levis who are also still trying to get this offense down. So, uh, well, That's a good point. I yeah. didn't consider that. That's a good point. I mean, hopefully, you know, as this question said, hopefully it doesn't come to this, but in the event it comes to this, that. Uh, and then finally, uh, from at Lemon Tree Records, does Levis have legit starter potential or is he a fun gimmick and will eventually get lapped by Roberson slash Bowens? Uh, I think he very much has starter potential. I mean, he has the arm and the physicality 
and the athleticism to do what you want out of a starting quarterback. And I think it's just about learning how to be a college quarterback. Like, I have no reason to think that he can't, again, whether it's at Penn State or whether he decides he needs to go somewhere else at some point in his career, I think he has what it takes to be a starting quarterback in college football, Matt. I agree. I I don't think he'll get he'll have to be patient is a better way to word it to get that opportunity at Penn state. But I think he's for sure a power five starter. I think if he was at certain programs heading into this year, he'd be a power five starter. Um, so that's a huge luxury to have something we haven't had. Uh, I, I guess Tommy kind of was that, but it's a little bit different now with the cut with how thing, everything shook out. But yeah, I think for sure he's a power five starter and, I hope the opportunity comes at Penn State, and if it doesn't work out, I hope he goes somewhere and absolutely destroys whatever conference it's in, as long as it's not the Big Ten. As long as it's not the Big Ten. There you go. Yeah. So, well, he's from... Uh, wait. He's from Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, he go to Boston College. That'd be did, cool if he Did UConn get rid of its football team yet? No. UConn... All right. So UConn is joining the Big East where they belong. Uh, bring back the Big East, dissolve the American, and put Pitt and Syracuse and Villanova all in that conference. Make That's Villanova right. FB, FBS. Um, but UConn is going to operate as an independent. Oh, okay. um, and, I, and I don't think the Americans allowing their teams to schedule UConn football is like a punishment, which is really funny. That, so I'm curious to see. I think Penn State's going to have a series with UConn. Oh, God. If they don't already. That would uh, that would be. I mean, it makes sense. It for sure makes it, sense it to have w- a series with UConn. It would be a uh, it, two places where Joe Moorhead was a, a very good offensive coordinator going head to head for a trophy of him. Uh, oh my god, pickaxe. <laughs> oh my, do you, who do you think has the pickaxe? Do you think Jomo still has it? Or do you think somebody in like the quarterback room has it? Do you think the pickaxe trans- transcends I, I Moorhead? Think... I hope Moorhead still has it. My guess is Trace has it. Oh, if, Trace, if Trace has it, I hope he gives it to the school as a trophy to play for. Uh, oh, we should, for, the, for Moorhead's pickaxe? Bill, you hmm. cannot tell me that's more important to you than the land grant trophy. Oh, no, it's not more important than me than the Land Grant Trophy. You're I, a liar. I, I love liar. it, truly, but, like, come on, the Land Grant Trophy is a mistake. <laughs> that is true. Also, a fun question is that I uh, just looked up Joe Moorhead pickaxe on uh, Google Images, and the first result is me replying to you on Twitter with a picture of Joe Moorhead holding the pickaxe. What did I tweet? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, like, I... Uh, it, it is a, uh, you quote tweeted a solid verbal tweet that has since been deleted, but you, me, and Ty uh, had a very, very short and I'm sure very nice conversation because Ty is an angel. Um, yeah, so that's... Fellow con- a fellow concrete kid. Yes, uh, you uh, you southeastern Pennsylvanians. Or, is it southeast Pennsylvania technically? In, uh, uh, kind of. Kind of. That So that's it for questions. I think we end by just kind of putting a bow on this and just... Going through our expectations for Penn State's quarterbacks this year uh, as a whole, not necessarily anyone specifically, even if quarterback is specific to one person, more or less. Matt, what are your expectations for Penn State's quarterbacks during uh, whatever the 2020 college football season looks like? So my expectations, I'll break it down by Clifford, Levis, Roberson, and Bowens. Clifford, I expect a... 65% 65% or higher completion percentage. I expect over 25 passing touchdowns. And I expect, I'm going to go really bold here. I expect fewer than four interceptions. And that's that's kind of my stat line expectation. Uh, for Levis, I expect a really, really 
fun season for him. I think they can be really unique with him. Kind of depends on how they want to use him. I expect, like I said, he's going to throw a touchdown. He's going to catch one and he's going to run for one. I fully expect that. It's June 17th. Mark this right now. It's it's 10 p.m. on the East Coast, 9 p.m. Central Time. Mark that down. Roberson, I want to see him throw a touchdown pass. I think that goes a long way for your confidence. Um, and then Bowens, I just want to see him learn what he's doing because he has a big arm and I think he has a lot of potential. But I think he's a long term project and I hope he makes those first steps. Yeah, I, with uh, with Bowens, it's just getting comfortable. I, I mean, he's moving from Las Vegas, Nevada to State College, Pennsylvania. So I hope it's with him this year. I hope he's just spent getting used to his new surroundings, getting comfortable in his new surroundings. Um those those sorts of things where you know football is second to getting used to being a college student getting being used to being on a new coast for the first time in your life all those sorts of things uh when it comes to roberson throwing that first touchdown would be nice but just taking advantage of every opportunity that he is given on the practice field in games whatever it might be Levis, uh, my expectation for him is that we don't see him too terribly much, and he only comes in in a in mop up duty. But when he does come in, he shows off the physicality that makes him so special. And then for Clifford to put numbers on it, I'm going to be probably a little more conservative than you. I think he completes a little, you know, he was a little under 60% of his passes last year. I think he's a little over 60% of his passes this year. Put him around 2,800 passing yards. Uh, 25 or so touchdowns and about the same interceptions. And I think the big thing with him is my expectation is he just looks more comfortable this year because that was the thing that concerned me the most about him during uh, the 2019 campaign was he just didn't always look comfortable. He gets that down. I think that goes a big way for Penn State both this year and next year. Uh, And of course, a big thing is that he has a really good stable of running backs around him and the best tight end in college football. He's going to have people to lean on, and as he gets used to this new offense, I think we're going to see him be really conservative at first and then start to ramp things up as the year goes along and he gets a little bit more and more comfortable. I hope I like the Nebraska game. He's just chucking it deep five times a game. Yeah, and he... That'd, ha- be, so, that'd right. be so fun. And, and of course, he, he they have identified someone who can go deep and do deep ball stuff for Penn State because that's like... Oof, that that is a concern. John Dunmore Hive. John Dunmore Hive. I think that's it for quarterbacks, Matt. Is there any final things that you would uh you would like to add here? Yes. So one thing I started doing with Nick that I'm gonna I'm gonna continue doing every time I appear on the pod is I am going to pose a question to the listenership slash readership, and I'm gonna post it over on the RoarLionsRoar.com forum. So what I'm gonna make it for this time is what is one thing you want to see Sean Clifford improve upon. That could be statistically, you know, that could be his confidence. That could be something like that. But what is the number one thing you're looking to see Clifford improve upon? So I'll write that up and I'll get that posted um, before this goes live. Yes. Make sure you head over to the forums, uh, get involved in the discussion over there uh, and be on the lookout. We're going to be doing one of these a week between now and uh, the scheduled start to the season season. But obviously there are just so many balls in the air right now that uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and all the various podcasting platforms where you can find us. Uh, if you go 
to uh, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're leaving us a five-star review over there. Follow us on our various social media accounts. Make sure you are reading the site and make sure you're supporting the site, whether that's by reading or by doing uh, what I always tell you all to go out there and do buy some t-shirts uh keep washing your hands keep wearing masks keep keeping uh, six feet away from people all those sorts of things take care of yourselves one last time thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar lions radio for my co-host matt Filipovitz. i'm bill de take care everyone go state